We have a few updates that we want to do today, two updates in particular, one on a previous episode, which was episode 38. We talked about Adamson Barbecue. This was the restaurant owner who was defying COVID lockdown restrictions and opening up his restaurant to people. And we have some recent news regarding that. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to give you an update on my neighbor. There have been some developments with my neighbor. Uh, We're also going to talk about the 30-day challenge that we are discussing, and I don't think we've actually determined what those challenges are, but we're going to talk a little bit about that and what our thinking is behind that. And then we'll uh, talk as well about our new section or segment we've added, which is the what we're watching. And then finally, we'll finish up with our news story, strange news story. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting. Serving all your painting needs, whether commercial or residential, reach Pace Painting at paintwithpace at gmail.com or via their Facebook page, Pace Painting, Inc. Or call Peter at 289-356-7744. Paint with Pace. So why don't we kick it off, Adamson Barbecue in the news again. And specifically, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because, quite frankly, I don't want to give this guy really any more publicity than he's already getting. But I did find it interesting that uh, Mr. Adamson has received a bill from the city of Toronto um, for $187,000. And this, this is in response to costs associated with closing and keeping closed his Etobicoke location under the Ontario health orders, which included policing, boarding up the premises, a locksmith, and so on. $187,000, Paul. Uh, I've got a breakdown of this, but before I get into it, what what are your thoughts on this? Well, $187,000 does seem rather exorbitant. Um, I, the blog that you had sent to me, it broke down the the various costs that he's been charged with. And I believe that the largest expense uh, is the policing cost. And I think that amount in itself was about $165,000. So it makes one think 165,000 for, I guess, three days of policing. I'm not sure how they come up with that amount. I don't know if there was overtime paid, uh, Mm. but I think just the overall costs associated with having such a large police response to that location. Oh, I guess there you go. Three days of policing, $165,000. So it makes you think twice if you're thinking about creating a, a civil disturbance at your place of business. Uh, but I should also point out to our listeners, if you're not familiar with the whole Adamson barbecue, this was a podcast that we did, I believe it was back in November or maybe early December and uh, yep. Mike was on that that podcast with us, and uh, as you had mentioned, yeah, Adamson Barbecue. That was at the very beginning of the coronavirus lockdown here in Toronto. Um, so it was very controversial um, back in end of November, early December, and obviously with Toronto, yeah, it was uh, it was published. The episode was published December 9th. So that's that we we tend to do our episodes and then. Uh, publish them a couple weeks after we do them. And in this case, so it was mid-November this this was happening. Yeah, so the initial... And the rule was that he wasn't allowed to have people in his restaurant 
at all. He could do takeout, but he was actually letting people into the restaurant and completely defying the orders. And um, the police had to show up, break the place up. They had to put, a, put locks on his doors. Then somebody broke into the neighboring facility and then broke through the wall or something like that. Like, this was a pretty crazy story. It was, yeah, absolutely insane when you really stop and think about it. And you should point out that Toronto still technically is in lockdown. So... Still now, yeah. Yeah, so his argument at the beginning of of this lockdown and what prompted this this whole disturbance was the fact that he was very much opposed to the lockdown measures, um, that it was, in his opinion, was an attack on, on small business. Uh, and this is, what, we're three months later, and he's, he's still closed. It's still a lot of small businesses in Toronto that have been shuttered ever since uh, end of November. So this is obviously a very tricky situation, and, and it's a tough time for, for small businesses. But yeah, at the same time, you're shaking your head as as to the, the brazen defiance that this guy, Adam Skelly, has uh, against the city of Toronto and um, you know his actions yeah. defying the police. So... Yeah, it's a it's a tough question in terms of is the city justified in giving this guy an invoice for 160 180,000 or whatever it was. Um you know, you it can It would be interesting can, to know how many people get bills like this for doing things that cause a civil disturbance. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I think I wonder if this guy's getting a bill to make an example out of him. Right. Like what bureaucrat said Send this guy a bill, and we'll see how he how he responds. Because he's made such a an embarrassment of a lot of people, and caused a lot of attention to himself. Obviously, pulled a lot of resources. And I think we have to mention that he raised in his through his GoFundMe page, which had previously been set up. He raised apparently nearly three hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars. So again, if you're the city and you say, "Wait a sec, we got this guy." Who's raising all this money to fight us? So let's give him a, let's give him some a bill to uh, eat away at that GoFundMe amount. Yeah, I'm sure he know he has the money. Yeah, I think they would have sent this to him if he hadn't done the GoFundMe page. Yeah, I, I think he well, yes, you, you're right. He has the three hundred thirty thousand dollars or that he raised from this GoFundMe page. It's incredible how much he did raise. That there's that many people out there that would donate $330,000. That's a that's a hell of a lot of money. So I, I think, think I worked it out when I, I, I actually tried to find the GoFundMe page re, just today and I couldn't. Oh, okay. It, it's not. And, but when I, when we looked at it back in, back in November, I did notice that, and I'm going by memory here, but I think there was, I calculated that the amount of people that had donated to the cause averaged out to about $50 a person. Okay. That got that 300,000. So enough people were donating 50 dollars each or an average of obviously some people probably donated a lot more and some less, but it worked out to an average of about $50 a person, which I think is worth noticing. Well, noticing. <laughs> noting. The ironic thing is, is that, yeah, a lot of people are donating 50 bucks for this cause that they obviously are in agreement with. But at the end of the day, it's not really going to change anything because the law is the law. He's His restaurant is still shuttered. Yes, it brought attention to the cause, but 
it's been three months and the city is still in lockdown for obvious reasons, which is based on, on medical, uh, medical stats and, and medical advice. Um, however, the thing is, is that with all this money that's being donated, I think the only one that's profiting from this is the guy's lawyer. Uh, I, th- I think that's yeah. why I think that the number that was mentioned was like two hundred thousand dollars estimated legal fees. Okay, which, there's that too. Right? Yeah, there's which I'm, I'm not surprised this. to hear that. But two hundred thousand, his his lawyer is the one who's who's laughing right now because he's getting some pretty good business out of this guy. And how much would his lawyer be interested in this case if he didn't if he didn't know there was a three hundred eighty thousand dollar GoFundMe page sitting there? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure he had tons of lawyers lining up to say, I'll take your business. <laughs> right. I mean, some will do it just for publicity, but yeah, yeah. this guy's got real money in the bank. Yeah. Uh, as an interesting side note to this story, as I was searching for the GoFundMe page, um, there is actually a GoFundMe, because I could not find Adam Skelly's GoFundMe page, but I did find another one that's called I'm Not Adam Skelly. And listen to this description of this guy. He says, Adams, this is a guy named Tara Gillespie has set up this fundraiser. His description is, Adamson Barbecue raised over $100,000 for breaking the law and endangering people. White nationalists love him. COVID deniers love him. Just a real joke. Meanwhile, a lot of people who are not completely irresponsible, obnoxious jokes are broke. I figure if he can raise 100000 which we now know he raised... 380,000. I figure if he can raise 100,000 for being the worst, maybe I can pay off my student loans for being not the worst. And he says that here, anything above student loan repayment will go to places I've donated to in the past. What is going on with this world, Paul? Well, you know, I think we could probably do a, a, a podcast segment just on GoFundMe pages in themselves. I'm always baffled as to the weird and in frivolous, useless causes that people actually contribute money towards. Don't get That's me wrong. Th- there's there's a lot of great causes on there for sure. Yep. And some people that legitimately need some help. But there's a lot of, lot of bullshit on there as well. And I don't know, when it comes to Adamson Barbecue... And this guy's uh, rabble-rousing, he definitely would not be on my list to be contributing money towards. I have an update on my neighbor, Paul. There has been a development since we last spoke about this. And um, and just to refresh everybody's memory, my neighbor next door, she's about 20, 21. She lives with her parents, and she's in the middle of writing exams right now. And about two weeks ago sent and came to the door actually and requested if we would keep things quiet in our backyard because she needed quiet time to study and both you and and Teresa agreed and, and me ultimately in the end that the right thing to do would be to uh, to stay quiet in our backyard if we could yeah um, accommodate your neighbor but within reason being the key word okay and, and again, to refresh people's memories, we installed a, an ice rink in our backyard. Us Canadians tend to do strange things. And this was a, a rink we installed in the backyard. Very, fairly basic project. Um, I still need to show some photos of this in the show notes and in our website. But I promise to do that so people can actually see what I'm talking about. Well, we we accommodated this. And I just wanted to share the latest update on on the situation. So my wife got a text the other day 
from the neighbor, the, the young female neighbor, who sent the following. Good morning. I hope you're all doing well and keeping safe. I have two upcoming midterms, Saturday the 27th from 8 till 2 p.m. and Monday the 1st from 8 to 1 p.m. Thank you so much. I don't think the listeners can see me rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> okay, this is getting stupid. No, no. It's just getting, yeah, it's getting out of hand. I mean, is this a case of you give an inch, they take a mile? Yeah, or? yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with the with the one time thing, with with her exams. I realized they were for med school, but no, this is getting stupid. Like, so when when she sent this text again, what are the expectations that you that you keep quiet or that you just don't go on the skating rink? Like, what's what's expected well, of you? That's a very good point because this thing says nothing about that at all. It just yeah. it lists the time. Good morning, you know. And hope you're all safe. Lists, lists the two times, and then it just says, thank you so much. It doesn't say, you know, as a as a reminder, if you could just stay quiet or keep it down or um, no, nothing like that. It's just, an, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have been tempted to write back, good luck, <laughs> you know? like So, sorry, the times again, so it was Sunday and, and Sunday and Monday, right? Saturday, oh, Saturday. and Monday. And for, so Saturday from 8 till 2, 8 a.m. till 2 p.m. And Monday from 8 till 1 p.m. I, I question uh, the okay. Saturday thing, but yeah. I know that some exi- some universities do sit Saturday exams, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not going to debate whether that's <clears throat> authentic or not. But like, I yeah, guess so. the Monday is not a big deal because obviously the kids are in school, but no, it's getting stupid. No, like when does it stop? Like you're, well, these you're, are the midterms. The finals are what two months away. Oh so. joy! Yeah, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. And d- we'll be in April by that point. Yeah. And so what? It, what is again? What's the expectation that you're not allowed to go in your backyard and make any noise? No, it's just getting stupid. Uh. Uh-uh. My 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 accommodation towards the neighbor would end. Yeah. So what what would you do then? I mean, what do uh. you do here? What would the listeners do if they had a, such a request like this? Well, actually, that's a great question to ask to the listeners. I, I think uh, it would be nice if people could um, provide a response. I don't know if you can do that in the show notes or, or have have the listeners yeah have, I could do a poll. have them respond. Yeah, I'd like to like to hear what the poll is on this. For me personally, I think I would just ignore it. I, I think I would, and I, if she comes back and says something to me, I'll be like, you know what, I. I Sorry, they're, I can't tell my kids to just not enjoy their Saturday. I, they're, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one, and I'm not sure what the exact words are, but I, I think I would be at the point where it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to comply with this because you're right. You, you've given her an inch, and she's taken a mile here because when, when does it end? There's, no, there's going to be further requests. I'd, I'd let Teresa know about the situation, and, and she said – she really questions, well, how loud are you guys outside? Like, what's what's the story there? And it's a fair question. I mean, the listeners may be wondering, you know, what are we doing back there? I mean, we've had the kids and our and my, me out on the ice, you know, hitting the puck around. And we haven't been playing any music or anything like that. Um, you know, other than the sound of, like, grab the puck or shoot or or the sound of the puck 
banging against the boards, which, and we're not taking like shots and rifling them into the boards. Like you do see that in like hockey practices. This is not at all. We're talking about a 20 by 16 ice surface here. Not a lot of room to do much. We're not, we don't have 50 kids in the backyard. We're, I can tell you now it is not that loud. And I think I think it's very unnecessary as well. First of all, you don't need to send a memo on it for a Monday morning because people are working, kids are in school. That's completely unnecessary. And as for Saturday, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was raining anyway. So I don't think you'd be out in your skating rink. Like it, well, it, she didn't know what the weather would be like. She sent this out like th- three days oh, before. Okay. Like all right, because I'm I'm just wondering, like if it was the was the text even necessary. Um, and if it wasn't, then no, that, that's, that's definitely overstepping the lines. Um, it's almost to the point of maybe even condescending. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'd, I'd be very irritated, um, if that was an, if that was my situation. Well, I'll certainly keep everybody posted. Um, and I hope that she does well during her exams um well sure but i I don't know like as you said the 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 small amount of noise if any that would be coming from your your backyard would that make that much of an impact on her midterms well but that's the other thing like you have to take certain measures to put yourself in a in the best possible place to write successfully an exam and uh, yes i get it covid19 and everybody's home and you know, she would normally, I would assume, be in a, a room, an auditorium or something like that where she would be writing this exam. But now because of COVID, I guess they're doing everything online. But honestly, like... Yeah, I think the thing that I find kind of annoying with this is the fact that it's the way in which it was sent. She's sending mm-hmm. a, a text and it's just sort of like, it's not even can you, it's just here, here are the times, done. And not not even... Yeah, like it, not even a knock on the door and say, hey, guys, I'm really sorry to have to do this. But I think if she had come to you in person, okay, maybe, maybe you could understand a little bit more of an understanding. But I think just the the, first time she did come in person, and that's what I asked my wife is I said, how, how did this come to be that she's now got your um, messenger? Like, how's she messaging you? Like, where did that come from? She says, oh, I sent her a message after she came over saying, We'll we'll be able to uh, accommodate your request. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, so you opened up that door. Yeah. Now she doesn't have to sheepishly walk over here and make these requests. She just gets to do what all young people are doing, and even older people are doing these days, and just send a text where you don't have to face anybody. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I'll keep you posted. Yes, please do. We talked about doing a thirty day challenge, Paul, and a thirty day challenge. I, I full. I got to put it out on the table. This was a topic Teresa and I talked about a number of episodes back. We we had both agreed to do the no complaint challenge. And the idea there was we were going to try to go 30 days straight without complaining. And we were going to wear something on our wrist. And every time we broke that rule, we were going to switch it to the other wrist. Well, full disclosure, I know for a fact I did not follow through on that challenge. If any listeners were wondering about it, I had no updates. You've, it's been silence. Teresa, I think, is going to say the same thing if she was here. But you and I, and maybe Teresa, but for, now let's focus on you and I. We are talking about making a true 30-day challenge that 
we will commit to something of which I think you've got a couple things you're going to share and I'm going to share a couple things. And then we're going to report out on these challenges every episode to let the listeners know how we're doing with them. So what uh, you're nodding, you're, you want to say something, go ahead. Yeah, I know that you had, as mentioned, you have touched on various aspects of this 30-day challenge in some of your prior podcasts that you've done with Teresa. And yeah, it, it carries a lot of merit. And it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. If you do it. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> um, like it, it, the concept sounds great. Um, the hard part is obviously following through on it and making sure that you uh, accomplish at least some of your goals. Um, yep. But, you know, it's something that I had been thinking about anyway, just in terms of some of the challenges that um, I've been thinking about in, in my mind. Um, and it's important to note that this 30 day challenge shouldn't necessarily be lumped in with like the whole quote unquote new year's resolutions. I think as soon as you say new year's resolutions automatically, you're probably going to set yourself up for failure because most people don't follow through on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But by saying a 30 day challenge, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be as rigid as saying, okay, we're going to make a resolution to, to not do something, but it's, well, resolutions it's, tend to be changes forever, right? They tend yeah. to be, I'm going to do this and kick it, like a smoking habit. Yeah. Or lose weight, which inevitably fall flat on their face. With a 30-day challenge, we're actually putting a, a, a time frame behind it, right? Exactly, yeah. It's it's to measure to measure any potential goals within that 30-day that window. Yeah, like the results you get from doing this. Exactly. And I think maybe... The idea behind it is that if you can prove to yourself that you can do it, then some of those habits you'll carry on, you'll, you'll carry forward for, from now on. Um, set yourself up for putting yourself into into a good position to to succeed. So, yeah. for example, one of the items that I've been thinking about, and I think you. We've talked about this before. I know you certainly have have touched on this. The the no sugar challenge for thirty days, cutting out sweets, cutting out desserts. I I don't eat a lot of sweets to begin with, but when it comes to stuff like cookies and things like that, I I'll admit I've got a bit of a sweet tooth for that. But it's one yeah, of those things too. where you probably don't realize how much sugar you consume within your everyday diet. And then when you add stuff like dessert items and cookies and cakes, it's just adding more and more stuff. And yeah. I think that's that should be an easy one to do when you really stop and think about it. To say, no, I don't need to have that cookie mm, with my yeah, coffee easy easier said than done it, it is yeah it should with COVID be as well there mm-hmm. we should say with covid there's yeah. been a lot of extra snacking and drinking and things like mm-hmm. that going on so we do have to fact factor in that for you maybe it won't be as hard to do this but maybe um but okay here here's well, here's an example here just by mere fact that i'm thinking about this whole no sugar challenge um, one of the, the things that my wife pointed out to me, she said, okay, when you drink your coffee in the morning, you average, what, maybe two coffees a day, you put cream and sugar in it. Well, that cream and sugar, that's right then and there. Is that an opportunity to take that amount of that cream and that sugar out of your diet right off the bat? 
So I'm thinking, okay, let's try that. Let's do these baby steps. And this morning when I had my coffee, I had milk, no cream, no sugar. And you know what? I was fine with it. I can get on board with just milk and my coffee. All right. Um, That's an easy win. So they're right there. That's an easy win. So let's carry that momentum forward. And I want to see how far I can go with this. And a 30-day challenge. Okay, what do you want to achieve from what, – what benefits are you hoping to get from no sugar for 30 days? Well, ideally, if it helps to help me lose some weight, maybe. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that might be a, a tangible goal is to say that I want to lose X amount of pounds. I don't know if, if that well, is feasible based on on how much sugar I do end up cutting out of my diet. See, that sounds like a separate goal then. Like yeah. Maybe what so, you could do is say, I'm going to lose, I'm going to cut sugar out for 30 days mm-hmm. and see how it affects my weight. Okay. Yeah. Then let's go with that then to see how that affects me. Because honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to help me lose any pounds. But the point being is that I hope that after 30 days, it'll make me feel better. If I do lose some pounds, then that's an added bonus. If I do feel better, then that's an added bonus. But ultimately, if I can cut out sugar, I'm sure that that in itself will produce some um, some good benefits from a, a health standpoint and just make you feel better by itself just knowing that you've been able to cut out sugar out of your, your diet. Um, so if I can do this, then maybe there's other things I can do. Uh, we mentioned before, you know, one of my, my culprits is uh, late night snacking. You know, my wife and I love the the cheese and crackers at nine o'clock at night. Well, right yep. then and there, that's probably a lot of calories that can be cut out of your diet by just not doing that late night snacking. Um, I like to think that we eat fairly well in that we like to, we eat a lot of home cooked meals. We don't order a lot of takeout. We don't eat fatty food or anything like that. So you got to give yourself credit where it's due. Uh, if you already lead a pretty good lifestyle, give yourself credit for doing such thing, but there's more that can be done. There's always room for improvement. And I've been thinking about what I can do in terms of my lifestyle and in the habits that my wife and I have. And, and you're right. It is a little tough during the winter months and especially during COVID, but this is a great time to take on those challenges because especially with with spring coming, everyone wants to look good and feel good for the spring and summer when they're more active. Um, this is a great time to, to take on some of these challenges because we're sure not entertaining. We're not going anywhere. So why not take on some of these, these challenges? Okay, so... I, uh, one piece of advice I could give you is I went through this about three years ago, four years ago, I did a no sugar challenge for 30 days. And it was spawned by a documentary that I watched about this, about the effects of sugar. I just tried searching for the, the specific documentary I saw. There is one called Sugar Rush, um, but I don't think that was the one that I'm talking about. So I'm going to look up this documentary. It really inspired me to stick to the no sugar thing. So you might want to try that. Watch a sugar documentary, and it will probably give you a little bit more motivation. I'm not saying you don't have the motivation, but it's a nice way to to give you a good kickstart on this because it certainly affected me when I read how much sugar is appearing in our foods. Things like trying to look up on a package how much sugar is in a product. Very challenging. 
they will not generally tell you how much sugar is in a product. They will only tell you how much added sugar is in a product. So that's an interesting thing you'll likely need to get into is reading labels and seeing what's... Because I'm assuming you're talking about no... Are you just talking about sweets and snacks or are you actually saying I'm not going to eat sugar that's been added to food? Well, to be realistic, I think to say no sweets and snacks, um, like to be able to cut out desserts, um, cutting out soft drinks, stuff like that. And I don't... Or anytime you take sugar from a, a bowl and pour it yeah, into something like that. Yeah, because you're right. If you say, you know, no sugar in anything, then, well, I think your your diet would be very, very limited because you, you're correct. There is so much sugar in, in more food items in, than you probably realize something as simple as peanut butter, for example. Well, I like my peanut butter, and yeah, it's a little tough to maybe give that up. Um, Well, this is the thing. So I went through this, like I said, and it's a very interesting exercise when you look at labels and see, for instance, that some things have naturally occurring sugar in it, as an example. So the byproduct of whatever it is is that there is sugar in it. So, for example milk if you look at milk it will actually it won't show i don't think it'll actually show milk a sugar on the label but there's sugar in it because sugar is created when you make there is sugar in milk so i was not very i wasn't dealing with that kind of situation when i for my challenge it was if there is sugar added to it it it's not allowed to be eaten but it sounds like you're not going to go that extreme you're just going to pick out things that are obvious sugar culprits yeah, yeah. Let's let's be realistic to to, to begin with, and depending on how All far right. I can go, then obviously you can push it a little bit more. But I think that in itself, just to cut out desserts and no soft drinks, that type of thing, it, those those are ones that should be fairly obvious ones, fairly easy. And and I think that in itself, um, the amount of sugar I can cut out would be fairly significant in itself. As mentioned, just not putting cream and sugar in your coffee is is a great way to start. Just little wins like that. Um, And stuff like that could lead to permanent lifestyle changes where from now on I may not need to get the cake in a cup when I go to the Tim Hortons. (laughs) All right, so you need to weigh yourself uh, today and write it down and then Mm -hmm. that'll be one of your markers. Yeah. And then um, the other one was the no late night snacks. I mean, what does yeah. your wife say about this? Is she going no? To be able, she is she, completely on is she board. On board or? Yeah, okay, she she so that helps. she was the one that wanted to promote this because okay. yeah, well, she helps. said that no uh, no late night snacking. Um, it was her idea, and we need to work together as husband and wife to make sure that none of us uh, you know sort of fall off the wagon. I guess. Um, we mentioned before about how it has to be realistic on a Saturday night. Obviously maybe that's your cheat day. Perhaps. Are you going to do that? Or you might give yourself that cheat. Yeah, day? I think so. It, again, it has to be realistic. To, I think you to, have to build that into the challenge. Then you have to say, okay, Saturday nights are the cheat night. Well, and then, yeah, then that, that's, that's probably what you need to do. You're right. When you, when you have this challenge, what, and, sort of my takeaway from this is, is to sort of clearly define this challenge, you know, what what I can and what I cannot do. Um, right. You're right. It, it has to be realistic. Otherwise, you're going to fail and you're not going to accomplish anything. Simple as that. 
But if you make an effort to um, to give yourself that one cheat day a week or something like that, or that, that one can of pop during the week, you're still yeah. substantially reducing your, your calorie intake and you your are, sugar intake. But, but wouldn't the idea of a 30-day challenge be that you should try to do something for 30 days consecutively? Like if you throw a cheat day in there, isn't it yeah. sort of messing that whole concept up? But is it sustainable though? To say that well, okay, know. we're going to do a thirty-day challenge of, of no Maybe sugar whatsoever. What you'll Maybe you'll discover whether it's sustainable or not. Maybe, but to say that I'm never going to eat desserts the rest of my life—that's not. No, you said thirty days. No, 30 but days. but if you have a thirty-day challenge, then if if you're not going to stick with it once the thirty days is over, if it's not a sustainable thing, you know, it, it has to be a, a realistic change in your diet and in your lifestyle so for example if you're to say okay i'm not going to drink alcohol for 30 days right to really be true to that you have to say i'm never going to drink alcohol forever that's not true yeah but then what days if you say i'm not going to drink for 30 days then all i'm saying is i'm not going to drink for 30 days i didn't say anything about it's going to mean i don't drink after 30 days okay all right fine but i thought that you're what where you were going is the fact that after the 30 days that you have to try to make it to be a permanent lifestyle change no 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 what i think what i'm and so i'll so mine are two things are a big concern for me one is the late night snacking so i think i may join you in that one and I, I guess we have to set up a, a time of day. What's a late night snack? Uh, like 8 p.m. and later? That's generally the typical time frames that people who know things about diets will say don't eat after 8 p.m. So that's that's going to be mine. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to do that one. The no, no eating after 8 p.m. Hmm. Okay. Because we eat dinner regularly and there's no reason. Like we never eat past 8 p.m. for dinner. We usually have it by 7 or yeah. 7.30 yeah. at the absolute latest. Yeah. Um, so mine's going to be the lo- no eating after 8 p.m. Okay. Yeah, that I sounds good. I would like good. to say I would add sleeping, sleep to this as well, because I do think sleep is a major part of why I'm not off. Op- operating at optimal levels is I just don't make a point of proper sleep, but I'm going to hold off on dedicating any specific challenge to that and hold and just go with the 8 PM thing. But I don't think my wife's going to join me. So I'm going to have a tough time with that one. <laughs> yeah, that would be right, tough. So we'll yeah. report out. We'll report out on okay. this on the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Each of our feets to the fire. Yep. Yeah, and, we should. Um, and you know, between the week, like, Hey, mm-hmm. send me a note. If you say, Hey, I'm going to crack. Here, I, I, I can't stand this. Just let's use each other as a support yeah. system. Well, it's kind of like goal achievers where you have to be accountable to someone other than yourself. So we're accountable to each other and maybe to our listeners as well, if if they care. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They always care about us. They always us. care about us, yes. What we're watching. Paul, what are you watching right now? Well, I'm in the middle of watching a pretty interesting documentary on Netflix. It's a... Uh, called murder at the cecil hotel um and it's it's i haven't heard of this yeah it's it's fairly new it's only been on netflix for maybe maybe two weeks at most um so it's a four-part series i believe about an hour each episode and it documents the case back in believe it was 2013 when there was um, a girl from vancouver had traveled to los angeles uh, i believe for a vacation of, of or something of that nature and she was staying at this hotel called the Hotel Cecil. Um, she went missing 
for about two weeks and ultimately her, her body was, was found, um, in one of the water tanks on the rooftop of this hotel. Um, if you recall, it made a lot of headlines back in the day. And, and as I was watching this show, it, it, it triggered my memory that I recall hearing about this in the news. <clears throat> but it really is a really interesting documentary in the sense that there's so much more to this. There's various, um, the events leading up to her death are very suspicious. And the, the whole concept of it is, is heightened by the fact that this Hotel Cecil is a very nefarious hotel. It's uh, located in a really sketchy part of LA and it's been deaths and, and murders throughout the history of this, yeah, this hotel. I looked it up on Wikipedia and, and there's, it's a, a pages and pages of all suicides, murders. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just, it adds to the creepiness of this documentary. Uh, I highly recommend it. it for anyone that loves any kind of like true crime, um, especially while we talk about true crime podcasts, anyone who's into that will, would definitely find this documentary really, really interesting. So I highly recommend it. Um, I haven't quite finished it yet. And, and from what I hear, it does continue to, to get creepy <laughs> as, as it goes along. Um, so just to clarify, it looks like the title of it is actually The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, okay. Hotel. The Vanishing, yeah. Cecil Hotel being the key word there. But yeah, look it up. It's As I said, it's on Netflix. Hotel Cecil. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So it's uh, it's only four episodes, so it's not a huge amount of time commitment. Uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Well, my recommended, or what, I, what I've watched, because it's in the past tense now, is also a documentary, and it's called Apollo 11. And this is a documentary using newly unearthed film footage and audio recordings. This document goes deep behind the scenes of the Apollo 11's historic 1969 landing on the moon. Paul, I was blown away by this documentary. Um, it really gave me... The way that the, the documentary is done is they don't have a a narrator and in interviews, like a lot of documentaries take that approach. They use the pictures, the visuals, and those audio recordings I mentioned a minute ago to tell the story. And you'll have, some of it will be Cronkite, Walter Cronkite's voice during when they would have been talking about, you know, the broadcast. Um, it gave me an appreciation for what it must have been like to experience not just the astronauts, but those watching this whole thing unfolding. It was absolutely astonishing. And the footage is such high quality from the beginning before the launch occurs. Like they show shots of Armstrong and and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins, you know, getting ready, putting their suits on. It's 70 millimeter quality footage. I think they made an IMAX movie out of this. I think this actually is an IMAX movie. Now, of course, we watch it on our regular televisions. It won't be, but um, you see them get ready. You see the launch. You see all the people that came to watch the launch, and they broadcast over the speakers. It, it's just incredible. So who produced this documentary? Is it is it a CNN film? It is, yeah. Okay, then I think I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah, I saw it yeah. uh, probably a few months ago because it was um, – 
Well, I guess they would have released it probably over a year ago because I think it was when they, well, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, I think is when they produced That's this right. documentary. So yeah, I, I recall watching that and yeah, it was really cool to, to see that. Um, yeah. You're right. It, it does a really great job of taking you back in time to, to see what everything was like back in, in 1969. And you're right. The, uh, it was interesting footage seeing, you know, the people lined up on the beaches and yes. people in there were watching all that are, camped out. Yeah, the the balconies of their motels and everything like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was exactly. really cool footage. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I remember really enjoying that documentary. And and I I love space. Like any opportunity I have to, um, you know, to immerse myself in in any of that. I've been to the Smithsonian. I've been to Kennedy Space Center. Like any opportunity I have of of. You know, going to museums. I've been to Kennedy Space yeah. Center as well. It's a, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I went there at a very young age, so I don't remember a lot. But I really think this is a great documentary to get the family together and watch this. Uh, it's it's just such an important thing, you know. Fifty two years ago, I guess it is now. This this nineteen sixty nine is when they the Apollo eleven mission was, and just to see what creativity and a lot of money was able to accomplish um i mean there was obviously a lot of failures and and testing that went on before this actual successful landing but when you consider just all of the things that went into making all of the things that had to happen and go right for it to work i was just absolutely astounded by watching this and and, and just the it's eerie and it's 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 like going back in time and being almost like you're there, which, uh, so yeah, Apollo 11, it's available on Netflix produced by CNN films. Highly, highly recommend it. I endorse it too. Go watch it. Hello. We talked about this fans. We're introducing a new concept called we talked about this movie club. Next episode, Justin Salim and I will be talking about our reaction to the Netflix documentary, the pharmacist. It's a four-part series that relates the efforts of Dan Schneider, a small-town pharmacist in Poydras, Louisiana. In this documentary, Dan Schneider's mission is to identify his son's killer and how this led to his gathering evidence against a prolific pill mill doctor in New Orleans. The documentary is an expose of the American opioid crisis, It was profoundly eye-opening, and Justin Salim and I felt we wanted to do a reaction to this documentary. So have a watch. It's on Netflix. It's four parts, about an hour each. And next episode, Salim, Justin, and I will break down some of the more memorable parts. If you want to follow along, you can find the documentary on Netflix. Well, we usually finish up with a, a strange news story, and this one's pretty mainstream, Paul. Lady Gaga, two do- dogs were stolen while her dog Walker was walking her dogs, and the dog Walker was actually shot in the chest during the altercation. There were two people, apparently, that jumped out of a car while the while this guy was walking the dogs. He got shot. Fortunately, he's going to survive, but... The thing that made this a strange news story to me was hearing that Lady Gaga had offered $500,000 in reward money for the safe return of these two dogs. First thing I thought of was, well, isn't this going to inspire other people to take to do this sort of thing, you know, go and hunt down the animals of celebrities? 
Um, no, two things. One, it's going to do that. And secondly, the dogs have been found. Her dogs were returned. Apparently a woman returned them. There's no details being given on the, the details of whether this woman was involved or not. But do you think she'll give the money to this person in the end? Like when people make these bold statements, do they figure whoever stole them will return them and they'll be arrested anyway and won't be allowed to receive the money. So you can just make a bold reward like that and probably never end up having to pay out on it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I chuckled when he said this is a mainstream weird news story. There's nothing mainstream about this at all. Um, anything? No, to, no like this is weird. Dogs being held for ransom and a dog watcher. Yeah. A dog watcher getting shot in the chest. This is really bizarre. Well, it's Lady Gaga. I'm not saying it's not. Un, it's OK. It's certainly unusual. But a lot of the news stories we pull out are these obscure things most people have never heard of. True, yeah. I'd say most people have heard of this incident. Yeah, and I did see this headline. I, I didn't really read too much into it. So some of the details you're talking about now is, is kind of news to me. But yeah, so absolutely bizarre. But a, a good point raised where are you making things worse by offering a $500,000 reward for these dogs? Um yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm now curious as to see where this is going, you know, the, the, the motive behind it. We've heard a lot about, um, you know, r- ransom and, and you know, kidnapping of, of famous people and us being in the insurance industry. Obviously, we know a little bit more about it than a lot of other people, yeah. but no one ever really heard of dogs being kidnapped. Well, didn't the 101 Dalmatians, didn't they steal their... Weren't those dogs stolen? Maybe. But yeah, this is this is bizarre. And you're right. Well, you've heard of kids being stolen. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. Like yeah, Limburg yeah. And, like you, you hear about um, it a lot, especially in, in Latin America, where there's a lot of, um, you know, kidnapping is, is a real issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Are we now moving to, to dogs and animals and everything? Um, this is, has to be obviously very targeted. I, I wonder if this is... I, this something like this can't be random where you, you're willing to, to shoot someone in the chest to steal a couple of dogs. So as of this update, there is no um, there's no confirmation of whether this person, these two people knew the dogs were hers. Um, I suspect the neighborhood was probably an affluent neighborhood. And my guess, well, here's the thing. I don't think they were being stolen for ransom. They were being stolen to probably sell, you know, recycle or not recycle, but uh, resell the dogs on an, on some sort of a tr- dog trafficking market because I looked it up. So these were French bulldogs. Apparently French bulldogs are hugely popular and, and in high demand and that uh, the breeding costs for these types of dogs range anywhere from two to $10,000 per puppy. Wow. Huh. That's not the cost. That's the cost to breed them. So whatever that means, apparently they have to give the dogs, because of their heads being so large, the mother dog, has it has to be a cesarean section when they actually give birth. So that also adds, I guess, to the cost. But there's uh, apparently an emerging trend in the U.S. that people are actually stealing animals, and it quite often very violently. Wow, that is really scary. <laughs> it makes you think twice about taking that dog walking job for five bucks an hour, right? 
<laughs> Something tells me if she's yeah. if he's walking Lady Gaga's dogs, he's probably making some good coin. Yeah, there. but yeah, it makes you wonder though. Like if you're a dog walker for for the celebrities now, apparently that's now a dangerous job. Maybe you get danger pay and you should wear a bulletproof vest or tactical gear or something of that nature. <laughs> but man, what 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 does that say about the world that we live in now, where uh, even animals are being targeted for that kind of thing? Yeah. Well. Hopefully this, uh, she's got her dogs back and it'll be interesting if any developments come out as to the $500,000. I have a feeling that's just going to quietly go away. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more to this story than it's made to be. I I don't know. It seems really weird. Like seems fishy to me that, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a completely random thing. I don't know. It just seems weird. I'd like to hear updates on this. I well, we got to go. Our uh, time has come to sign off, but um, we'll be back to report out on our 30-day challenges the next time and and hopefully, or maybe potentially some neighbor updates as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really, in, I want to hear neighbor updates. They're always entertaining. <laughs> won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor